everybody. Sean Hamill here with another episode of ADM Origins. I've got Emmett Scott today. Emmett, your uh, legend precedes you, man. You're, you're, uh, there's too many titles really to provide you with. DEO, entrepreneur, coach. We were just talking about the, the sign language business that you're a part of. I mean, you're, you have so many things going on. Thanks so much for taking the time to be on Origins. You bet. Man, I love being part of anything entrepreneurial, you know? There was a definition of entrepreneurship that I love, which is taking resources at one level and moving them to the next. And I think for all of us, it's really that personal development and challenge. Like people want to focus on the business and the money and you need all of that, you know, no profit, no mission. But I think for all of us, as soon as we solve one thing, we're always like, well, what I really want to solve is what I really, and it's just cool to be around those type of individuals who are constantly pushing themselves. You know, for 25 years, I've just always been in the entrepreneur space. I, I graduated in accounting and I thought for sure, maybe I'd go with one of, at the time, I think it was the big eight or whatever of accounting firms. And there was this one for those who were older called Arthur Anderson that I was supposed to go with. And uh, like a year later, they were gone and uh, got, you know, the whole Enron thing. But I decided instead to go into financial planning and investments. And I was just fascinated with it. Um, but the part that was interesting to me that there was all these entrepreneurs mm -hmm. coming to me to invest. And I guess for me, what was weird was, well, why aren't they putting the money back into their own business to scale that. Because in theory, as a financial planner, what I was really doing is taking their money and putting it in somebody else's business, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. helping them scale. What I realized was, as an entrepreneur myself, there was tons of great books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, E-Myth, you know, all this stuff around going from like employee to entrepreneur, let's mm -hmm. call it, right? Or in DEO, we say clinician to entrepreneur, like get out of the chair type stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, what happens if you're actually successful as an entrepreneur? There was like zero resources of like, no, no, I already solved that. Like now my time is, I'm overwhelmed. Like, you know, because entrepreneurship is such a hub and spoke system. You're the smartest one in the room. It's kind of fun, need to be needed. And then it's not, <laughs> you know, and you're like, <laughs> I actually want to scale this. I actually want to get my time back. I want to be a little more profitable. You know, I want to more sustainable business running, all of that stuff. There was nothing from entrepreneur to executive. Right. There's nothing that says, here's how you streamline and hire a CFO and a COO and, you know, like how those pieces come together. So that's where I started to focus. I started a radio show called The Entrepreneur Life, just kind of covering entrepreneurship. Is it, still, it, out? Really Is it like, still out there somewhere? What's that? Is the radio show still out there? It might, it was out in Las Vegas, you know, I shut it down now I, and podcasts were just starting. So I was like <clears throat> and radio showing it and so forth. But then my um, best friend from the age of two said, Hey, I'm working as an associate. He was amazing. I've got, he's had seven, he has seven kids. I have six. So he beat me on that one. Wow, yeah. And then um, he's like, I really want to serve like kids, general dentist, but serving kids, Medicaid market. He's fluent in Spanish out in Texas. He's like, can you help me like build my own practice? Cause I don't want to like get into that grind too much. I want something that I can offer. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what a DSO was or anything like that. So I was just kind of consulting him. We ended up creating this really cool practice 
because as I was looking, I love marketing, by the way, Sean. So like marketing and IT are my two fascinations because there's so much leverage in them. Mm-hmm. And when you look at dental, you're like, uh, marketing sucks. You know, yes, <laughs> like, absolutely. especially back then you get on and like, it's a website with like bloody teeth and, you know. Yes, I see it all the time. So I'm like, okay, Chad, like, what do kids really want? I said, here's the good news. Like your competitors are terrible at this. But what do kids really want? They want like Chuck E. Cheese at the time uh, and then Disneyland. So we built the dental practice like a storybook. Nice. You come in and there's a play gym and it was all around Charlie the Chipmunk. And the kids get called back as prince or princess. They get gold coins along the way. At the end, they get crowned for their bravery and dentistry. We put together these beautiful flyers. We went door to door, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a thousand patients in the first three weeks. That's so it's awesome. just like, took yeah. off, you know. And um, then I'm like, oh, we should like do this again. You know, we should do another one. He's like, well, I don't, I don't know how to do that. We were only like 90 days in, by the way, because I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I don't know how to do that. But like, if you want to do it. So we did another one. And then like 90 days after that, did another one. I didn't know what a DSO was. I was just like, this is cool. And mm-hmm. then pretty soon the consulting thing was like, okay, I'm all into dental now. And that was uh, like 14 years ago. Now we have 77 locations, you know, and really underserved markets. As you well. grew a little bit. Yeah, we grew a little <laughs> And along so, the way, I started hearing about like this thing called DSOs and that they were really evil and all of that stuff. So I just like lean into that stuff. I started a podcast called DSO Secrets. And really what I was trying to do is draw out people to be like, okay, what's working? What's not? What is even? Because the name itself, Dental Support Organization, I was having a hard time figuring out how that was evil. I could mm-hmm. see how cultures could be bad and stuff like that. But anyway, that that took off. And then um, I started working with DEO, Dentist Entrepreneur Organization. Of course, I was attracted to that. Mm-hmm. Now it has 250 organizations, part of it representing a few billion dollars of, of revenue. And it's just smart people, entrepreneurs trying to figure it out. I say smart people. It's a bunch of us failing and figuring stuff out and leveraging off of each other. And then um, right in the middle of COVID, I get a call from the big DSOs. And I had been involved with ADSO. And they said, hey, we like where you're going. Would you be president of the association? So that's usually a one-year term. They say, well, with COVID, what if you did three years? You know, kind of get us. <laughs> so anyway, um, so I was ADSO president for three years. And yeah, that's what happens when you help your buddy out. You just yeah. like hold in. What it's really given me, though, is I've seen $3 billion groups all the way down to, you know, 600000 400000 and I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. And there's formulas along the way. Um, and so when I took this, on, you know, going from technician or professional clinician to entrepreneur to executive, and then you overlay that with scaling a DSO or a dental group, it's created some really cool formulas that we've brought into DEO. So that is awesome. Yeah. Now, did you back even in your younger days, did you always have that entrepreneurial bug or, or is it something that you kind of. Yeah. Learned your way like probably all of us can. I still remember being really ticked off that I was 14 years old and it was illegal to hire me. 
Like, <laughs> why can't you hire me? I like want to work, you know, I'll walk, I'll get there, I'll ride my bike, whatever. And so what did I do? I did what a lot of guys did. I started a lawn business. Yeah, me too. Nice. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, and I couldn't drive. So I was the guy like pushing the lawnmower, you know, <laughs> four too. blocks to get to, right. But I, um, I remember when I find my, my friend could drive. And I remember when uh, we went to make flyers and we had bought pizza and we went to the flyer shop and the lady's like, it's X amount to make this thing. And like, we don't have that, but we do have this half eaten pizza. Like if we gave you a couple pieces of it, it's kind of lunchtime. Dude, she totally went for it. She made us like a thousand copies of our little flyer we made. It was EMB Long Care because my friend's name was Brian. Real creative. And uh, yeah, we just started handing out flyers and, you know, grew it to like 10 lawns that we did every week. And I was, I was great. Did you go back and, and buy her a pizza after? Did you take her back a pizza? Oh, no, I was terrible you. customer service. I should have. I wasn't <laughs> playing the lawn game back then. It was all short term stuff, you know? That's funny. There's, I've met a lot of people that started that because I, same thing. I mean, I was just, I wanted to have money and there was nowhere to work. And so I started mowing too. Then I got tired of only having money in the summer. And so I started shoveling snow in the winter. You know, that's a wow. good part of living in KC is you get the, the seasonal weather so you can rake leaves and all that stuff. But yeah, that's, that's awesome. So we both have uh, lawn care backgrounds. I would have loved to do landscaping. I enjoy it very much. It's just grueling work and there's not a lot of money in it unless you have all that all that volume nowadays. Yeah. And I ended up having really bad allergies and like mm. anaphylactic level allergy. Yeah. So it, it wasn't the industry I could go into, uh, but uh but dental has been really way more complicated, mm -hmm. way more. Com I mean, going back to that original practice, I remember running our AR report, mm -hmm. uh, accounting background, right? So I want to run an AR report, thousand new patients come in. I'm, I'm 60 days in. I kind of got to know where we're at on cash flow and stuff and things are going really fast. I'm trying to invest a ton into marketing and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. 13 hours, nothing wrong with the software, by the way, this is how the software worked back then. And it was good old Dentrix. I'm sure it's much better now. 13 hours uh, to run the report. It only displayed in PDF. There was no way to like get into Excel and you had to click through each page and it only did it by patients. Like I couldn't say by insurance type, by aging this way, you know, all of that stuff. Couldn't extract the data out and try to. So we ended up like three different softwares in that first nine months, by the way. And um, like, I'm sure my team just loved that, right? Oh, we're switching. To... <laughs> we ended up going with Open Dental only because it was open and I could get the data out. Like, there was no other real, like, it wasn't the charting, it wasn't the, but I just needed some way to get the data out. Now, since then, like, tons of vendors and resources have been developed. But we're still all trying to figure this out. I mean, you and I were talking about like figuring out cost of acquisition for patients mm -hmm. still. I mean, it's just so many broken pieces in there to really get that nailed down. So it's complicated. So one thing I'd say to your listeners, if you're an entrepreneur in this space, it's like growing up in the hardest neighborhood of entrepreneurship. You do get like if you're doing a couple million in dental that probably only represents a few hundred thousand compared to others, you know, because their space is a little harder to do revenue in. But the complexity of healthcare, the complexity of so many 
humans at every level, even your product as a human, just increases the complexity, you know, on top of the fact that like people could actually die, you know, like there's yeah. not yeah. a lot of industries yeah, where that, that happens. <laughs> so, um, you know, especially if you're doing pediatric or something like that. So it's a complex space. You know, one thing I'll tell, I'll tell you, I hear a lot is clinicians who want to get out of the chair. Mm -hmm. One thing I would tell them is I, I wouldn't use that language. And the reason is, is because it oversimplifies what they're really trying to solve. They're really trying to move into entrepreneurship and one thing about being in the chair is it's singular focused. When you move out of the chair, now you're in charge of marketing, IT, ops, right. you know, how's the front desk? I mean, you have a little bit of that as the chair owner anyway, but if you're going to start scaling and you want to get out of the chair, like you're really moving into five different industries at once, right? What do you, what do you think and, is the the biggest issue that you solve for people or what is there any correlation between everybody you work with in terms of here's kind of the the ground issue or the foundational issue we have to fix before we can fix anything else because i know for me growing a business you run into a lot of stuff that wasn't even on your radar like you didn't even know that that was something you needed to do yeah we had a joke where that we would just say between us like where was that in the business plan you know? <laughs> right, right like when the dentist gets picked up and you know, and like a prostitute ring because he's at a <laughs> massage parlor. You know, when you have a lot of people, like there's just you know a, a welcome. You're like, where's that in the business plan? You know, right? Um, where let's CFO comes to you and says, hey, what's our policy on oil rubbing? Because we have someone in the billing team that's gotten into essential oils and they're rubbing them on people. You know, you're like, where's <laughs> that in the business plan? Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that is just always happening with uh, humans. So. Here's the thing I would I would start with. Um, we have what's called the DEO growth model, which is super helpful because if you think about it, like accountants have spreadsheets. Everybody's got tools, right? I mean, you even got your pay-per-click and mm -hmm. uh, Google tools and analytics. But as, an, as a leader, like we don't get a spreadsheet that says, here's what you should work on, right? Or even how to. So we create frameworks for leaders and one of the frameworks is our DEO growth model. And it says everything fits into one of three buckets. It's either a working on you, personal development. It's working on team. Or it's the working on the business. So the first thing I'm always doing is kind of like, is this a me thing that I need to do some personal? Is this a team thing that I need to develop out? Or is this like a business admin learning, you know, like how to set up a DSO, which we're going to do some training on here in the next couple of weeks, you know, and, and, and those pieces or how to read my P&L and, you know, leverage my margin, those kind of things. So taking all three of those into account right in the middle of our growth model is thriving. Like if you can get those balanced out, it's thriving. More specifically, if you get you and team balanced out, that's really where your time gets better. Okay. And I have this individual we can share sometime, but you and your team better, that delegation, that org chart, that leadership, when people right now are like, I need more time, it's, it's getting them defined and getting their team defined. And so we have a bunch of tools that help with that. When you're really working on trying to leverage profit, it's team and the business piece. 
Right. Right. And then really you and the business is all about impact. Like how much do you want to scale, grow, et cetera. The first mistake we all make is we borrow too much from each other on like, oh, you're going to do 10 practices. I'm going to do 10 practices, right? Like it's good to see other people's journeys, but don't like totally steal them, like adapt them, you know, like, oh, you're doing 10. Well, let's see, I have six kids (laughs) (laughs) and they're between the age of, you know, now they're older, but let's say they're between the age of three and 12. Okay. What kind of life do I want to have with them? What's, where's my marriage at? Okay. I think I'm going to do one location this year, you know, whatever it is, like those kind of things, you need to have a room to talk about that because people want to get into the tactical too quickly and they kind of forget like, no, we're actually humans. We should design our life and then fit our business to support that structure, right? That's, that's, a, that's Once really you good. do that, you start getting momentum because where's all the friction points? You're like, yeah, I just went to this conference and they're doing this and we should do that. No, no, no. You know, I just went to this other conference and they're doing this and, and your team's like all over the place because you're not really grounded and centered, right? But once you kind of get grounded, it's not that you can't change, like your next decision doesn't have to be your last. But once you're grounded to some degree and you're really just going, oh, I like that idea. I don't like that idea. You you start bringing some stability uh, to the team and to the business. So, anyway. I love that. That's awesome. Awesome stuff right there. Um, I'm always curious and ask everybody on the show, what are you reading right now? Or what books maybe have been pivotal for you um, just in as you've grown as an entrepreneur, as a coach, doing all the stuff yeah. that you've done? Oh, you got it handy. Okay. Oh, yeah, I got a book. I don't have my current one. This is one that's on my desk, but we have a book club in, in DEO. So we just finished this one, The Comfort Crisis. Comfort really, Crisis. Yeah, really good one. You know, when you, one of the quotes I love from this, I'll just kind of paraphrase it is, you know, because we're not all trying to feed ourselves hunger, shelter, clothing, etc., but the brain still wants to find the problem. Our anxiety is skyrocketing as if there's a lion when we're late to yoga class, right? And one of the things we have to be careful of right now is are we protecting our amygdala? Are we protecting our fight or flight? Because as owners, you know, we're atomic energy. We can either power a city or like blow up a country, you know? And you see it in your business all the time. Like if you're not in that right headspace, then you're in creating problems and then solving them and creating problems and then solving them. And so anyway, comfort crisis was really good about, you know, I I remember Joe Rogan uh, listening to him one time. He said, I have to do something really hard in my workouts in the morning. So I know what hard is. So I don't get overreactive to everything. That's actually not that hard Mm -hmm. and not that dangerous and not that threatening. So anyway, that's comfort crisis. A good one. The one we're reading currently is um, Die With Zero. Hmm. Being a financial planner, it's kind of a cool one because uh, it goes against this concept of like accumulate as much wealth as you can, make sure you have that safety. And more of like, what what is your really limited resource? It's not actually money at some point, especially for entrepreneurs. Um, it's time. Yeah. 
And so it goes with another book we gave out at, at DEO at our last intensive, which was Buy Back Your Time. And it's really now, I'll give you like a real simple example. If you're 60 years old and you've got a million bucks that you want to hand off to your kids, would it be better to spend a million dollars over the next 20 years with your kids? Mm -hmm. right? Like which one would actually create the better value to you as a human handing them money and never seeing how it's going to, you know, play out or actually playing it out with them and having that life experience together. Yeah. And so it just starts to make you realize in constraint theory. And one of my favorite books is the goal. It's a business book, the goal it's around factory constraint theory that applies really well to business. But if you look at constraint theory, time is the one thing entrepreneurs cannot create more of. We can actually do more employees, factory, locations, money. But time is our limited resource. And so I've gotten very intense on looking at my calendar and deciding how I'm spending my time. Um, you know, when I first graduated from school, I'm like, I just, I want to feed my family and I'm having all these kids and I'm married and I've never done all this before. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm still always figuring that out. But being now almost 47, time is way more interesting to me. Yeah. And so I color code my calendar. We have a whole process called IDO, where you take all your ideas, document, organize, prioritize, then execute. So we teach people how to do that. So they're Teams not as ADD anymore, you know, things like that all around time. So, do you do uh, like block scheduling and Pomodoro and all that different stuff that's out there? I don't know. I don't know Pondora. I mean, so I, it's, it's, I think it's Pomodoro. It's, it's like you work for 25 minutes and you take a break, 25 minutes and you take a break. Mm. I tried it. It's, it's hard for me because, like, you know, with some of the tasks, it's like I can't stop right now. Like, I have to finish this. Right, um, right. But block yeah, scheduling. The flow state. There's a yeah. great one, zero to dangerous uh, coaching I did that, you know, once you're in flow state, you really don't want to break that. There's Especially a good for creatives, called yeah. The Power of Full Engagement. It had a 45 minute and it, it had taken like what athletes do and how they recover and tried to apply it to the business environment. It sounds very similar. Yeah, it, it didn't work for me. Creatives definitely are flow flow creatures i definitely am like you have moments of inspiration and sometimes i'll be go working it. you gotta working randomly yeah, yeah at three in the morning just whenever whenever an idea hits but uh well emmett man i i cannot thank you enough for the time it's been a blast getting to talk to you getting to know you a little bit hearing that we're uh both lawn and landscape entrepreneurs at all heart. the way dude all the way <laughs> uh how can people get a hold of you how can people engage how can people look at joining deo or learning more yeah. So, I mean, always feel free to reach out to me. Um, and uh, on on Facebook, we've got the um, DEO Growth Secrets uh, page. But if you go to DEODentalGroup.com, that's probably the best way you can see some of our events that are coming up. Um, you can reach out to Darren on our team if you're interested in kind of knowing what it would mean to join, what our different programs are. We have on-site intensives that we do so we've got one coming up in atlanta that's for our groups under 10 million we have groups all the way up to three three hundred million um and then we've got another one in october that's uh in new york for our bigger groups 
So we do these on-site, all come together, work through problems. You know, I'll be doing training around how to leverage your P&L in this environment. People are really trying to squeeze out profit. So anyway, DEO Dental Group, come check us out. Yeah, and I, and I want to encourage listeners too, and the themes that have been recurring in all of these episodes are how important mentorship is, how important community is. If you're on the fence about joining something like DEO or you're on the fence about getting the kind of help that's out there, the opportunity cost for not doing it probably far exceeds the financial cost of being a part of it. And we've had enough influencers to this point that have shared all of you have the same recipe for success for the most part. Obviously, grit, hard work, of course, those are important. Leadership, guidance, community, those are all things everybody that's done on the show so far has said are critical to their success. Mentorship. Do you still do entrepreneurial coaching on your own or is it all through DEO at this point? Yeah, no, 100%. Um, early on in my career, I was spending about 50000 a year uh, because, and I even tell my boys, like, don't put into a Roth IRA, like spend it on investing in yourself. Think about it as your income goes up by 10%, that return on investment is like 10 times more than what you would get in the marketplace. So investing in myself, I'll tell you personally, my wife and I um, started nutrition coaching. I lost 50 pounds in the last six months. Wow. Congrats. Uh, That's and awesome. working on trying to do an Ironman. I, it was just time. Like I was borrowing from my other successes too much and not addressing my failure around mm -hmm. my health. And so it was time for me to do that. So what, what uh, investments do you think are most important? Nutrition coaching is a good one. What are the yeah. other ones that you've invested in? And that's, that's like, you know, massage too, especially for a dentist is, is a write-off. I believe I'm not a CPA, but I've heard that, that you can write those kind of things off. But where else are you encouraging people to, to invest in self-care? Oh, on the self-care front? Well, I'm a little bit of like way too deep in this. I now have for our 25th wedding anniversary, we got our sauna. We have nice. our cold plunge. I've got the red light. I've got the PMF electric uh, uh, therapy. So yeah, we're a little intense. On I love. Are you guys doing the Wim Hof cold plunges? Are you doing doing that kind of the box breathing and all that stuff that Joe Rogan and them talk about? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It I've works. Got, I've got the plunge. You know, we've got our set at forty five degrees. I don't know that I need the thirty eight degrees, but uh, still plenty cold, especially after you've been in one hundred and eighty five. You know, degree temp. So just you know, fun stuff, kind of to play with, like your brain and just doing hard things too. Um, obviously good for your body. Trying to do this Ironman. Oh my gosh. I thought I was a good swimmer. You try to swim a mile. I just feel like I'm drowning for a mile. You know? so, <laughs> that's like my new challenge is I've been doing cycling for a while. I feel good about that. After I lost the weight a couple months ago, I started running, did my first half marathon and finished wow. it. And so I'm just trying new stuff. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, five years ago, I was I was having my disc uh, removed because I had such a bad herniated disc, and you know now I'm deadlifting 400 pounds. So I'm just working on improvements. You know that is awesome. Well, congrats on all that success. Thank you again yeah, for joining the show, and I'll put all the contact information for Emmett in the in the show comments. Uh, again, thank you all for tuning in another episode of Origins. Emmett, thanks, man, for stopping by. Thank you. Take care.